0: Okay, I'm going to introduce Abner, which I'm super pumped about. So Abner has been tracking with us as a church for almost the duration of our church. It's been about four years, right, Abner? Does that sound about right? Um, The first time he came, we were actually about to expand, and uh, somebody got so touched by the power of God, they flew backwards and broke the wall. It was, like, amazing. If you've ever been here, it was crazy. And the guy loved it, so don't be thinking that was, like, really bad. He thought it was the coolest thing ever, and it was amazing. Um, and then the last time you were here, we had just moved into this space. So we kind of, Abner has this interesting anointing to help us transition to our our next area of growth, um, which is again happening, which is super cool. So I want you guys to just extend your hand and pray over him. Come on up, Abner. And listen, we really, Abner has a very accurate prophetic voice and we just really love him. And he's, if you were here last night or here yesterday morning, you know he's He's just in tune with the Holy Spirit, and he's accurate in his theology and all of that. And so if there's questions that you have of things he's saying, and you're like, I don't know what that means, come ask me. I have no issues helping you understand. So we're going to pray for you. Stick your hand out towards Abner. Holy Spirit, we just bless him this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for an increase in him in the same way that you have brought increase to us from and through him. We just release that back to him, and Lord, we just open our hearts and our minds to receive the word that you've given to him for us this morning, and we look at you, Lord, with expectation of how you're going to use our brother this morning, and um, yeah, help him to be in your flow in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning. Great to be with you. Thanks, Grant and Rachel, for letting me come. I'm privileged to have lots of really good friends around the world and what God is doing. Uh, I got a prophecy probably, it's good to get accurate prophecies, but I got a prophecy maybe 10 years ago, and the person said, you're gonna go to all 50 states and around the world, but you're not just gonna go as a guest speaker, you'll go and you'll be welcomed as a family member, and I found that to be true. And uh, one of the things uh the Lord obviously is doing is he, he wants to make the people of God a family. And um, even the people of God that you don't like or disagree with, I've learned that too. So, uh, you know, there, there are certain things that, to me, if you embrace, you step outside the confines of the orthodoxy of the faith. But if you're in Christ and uh, you're, you're walking with Christ, I I. I always say, you're my brother and sister, we can disagree, so the body of Christ is a beautiful thing, the body of Christ is like the Trump presidency, (laughs) (laughs) really is, it's like, it's God's choice for now, and it's got lots of dysfunction, lots of Tweety birds, shouldn't go out, but in all its dysfunction, God still chooses. it. A number of years ago, the Lord told me, He said, "I don't really have any other like I don't have a plan B. It's going to be the body of Christ, so I'm working really hard with them to to make it work." So, uh, real quickly, um, you should pray for the president too. I, I pray for every president. So, in fact, it tells us to do that. First of all, make all prayers. Uh, sometimes I, I see people they 're very agitated, and it actually tells you one of the fruits of praying for your leaders is that you have peace with all men <laughs> so if you don 't have peace, maybe you don 't like some of your leaders yeah, it 's in the Bible so anyway we <laughs> we have a we have a resource table out there really encourage you to um, buy everything back there it 'll make you feel better it 's not a joke, but if you want to laugh at me that 's okay i 've been laughed at before. Uh, one of the great privileges we have is that we, we have the mind of Christ. and uh, you're, I'm just constantly fascinated that God doesn't think like me, but He requires me to think like Him, and He's trying to constantly deliver me of all stupidity. And what I found is most of the time, my issue is not the issue, it's the way I'm, I'm relating to the issue, or my desire to see an issue resolved in the way I want it. And so we have a whole series called The Renewed Mind. And then uh, we have a, also a whole series, probably eight hours of teaching with my pastor on the subject of faith. Faith is it's also my next book that I'm writing now. that I'm finished by the end of the summer. I'm prophesying to myself. Because I'm way behind. It's supposed to be in, in January. So... But I'm going to finish it. <laughs> I am going to finish it, but faith must be a pretty important subject if without it you can't please God. Paul told uh, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, right? What I find is a lot of people fight faith. (laughs) They don't fight the good fight, they just fight faith, (laughs) and they get mad at people who preach faith, so that's really interesting too. Uh, Anyway, so the whole series on the subject of faith, and then... uh, If you're just kind of starting to, or you want to really grow in the supernatural, my good friend wrote a great book called Go Preach Heal. It's on this really practical book on the supernatural, and if you're already walking it, it's a really, really uh, just great resource to grab in your hands to kind of push you along that lines. Bill Johnson has says this about it: a simple but profound look at what the Christian life should look like. A book filled with revelation. So you should buy that. Hey, why don't we pray? Because it's Sunday morning. And I thought Jesus was coming this morning in my hotel room. <laughs> I was, they're like, oh, no, no, this is normal. I said, oh. It, it's interesting that one person's dysfunction is another person's normal, right? <laughs> People are like, my family is dysfunctional. I said, no, you haven't met my family yet. So uh, let's pray. Why don't you just lift your hands just as a sign of surrender. Lord. Thank you that the angel of the Lord is here. Thank you that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are here. And Lord, this morning, we ask for words from heaven that change earth. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us and to guide us into all truth. Without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. So fill me with the Holy Spirit. Put your words in my mouth. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation just come upon your word open people's ears lord i just declare that i'm sowing the word on good soil this morning that miracles take place that miracles follow the preaching of your word today in jesus name amen hey my friend you came in first yesterday for prophetic ministry when I stood up here, I saw the Lord in the black, right? Yeah. I saw the Lord putting glasses on you, Holy Spirit glasses, to see your situations differently. And I feel like there's this invitation from the Lord that as you go before the Lord, the Lord wants to give you wisdom and insight to see the mountains in your life fall. And the key, a key part of what God is doing is the gold is in your mouth in this season and speaking Correctly to that mountain. And the Lord's really pleased with you. And you need to keep going and don't look back. Hey, what's your name there? Yeah, yeah. Luann? Oh, one of my spiritual moms is Luann. There's a, a refreshing, delivering grace that God has given to you today and he's lifting off burdens, weights, circumstance, and you came in here with a backpack of just overwhelming things, and the peace of the Lord is being released to you right now. And the Lord doesn't want you to just make it. He wants you to thrive. And he wants you to give hope that you can thrive. And uh, the Lord is going to be, in the next two years of your life, the Lord is going to begin to restore hope and he's touching your ears to hear his voice as never before. What's your name? Yeah. Paige? How old are you? You look really excited to be here. (laughs) Are you walking with the Lord? Yeah? You sure? Okay. No, because if it's maybe, that means no. So you know, like I'm not sure, if we're not, but you said yes, so that's good. Uh, you're a jewel in the kingdom of God and God has his hands on your life and uh, you're a princess in which he wants to unveil his beauty to the rest of the world and there's an invitation to see yourself as God sees you and he's touching your ears today to hear his voice. There's a great purpose and there's a great assignment. And there's a great destiny that the Lord has for you. And it's like uh, you're standing there and Jesus is right in front of you and the Lord just says step in to the purposes of the Lord because you'll find your greatest joy, you'll find your greatest freedom, and the creativity and the dreams inside of your heart will be unlocked for you as never before. So this morning, um, just kinda as I engage with the Lord this morning, I want to look at some principles of what I like to call God's original intent. There's a principle in Scripture that I've been meditating over the last few uh, month, uh, probably month or so. I was reading uh, the story of Paul in Acts nine, and Paul, obviously, a, a religious spirit is really, really bad. Like sometimes I think it's worse than like pornography, drugs. Because in the, it's, it's actually a false religion. In the name of God, you'll do things thinking that you're working for God. It's really bad. So uh, Paul is on his way to kill believers. And Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, I don't know if it's Jesus, but Jesus speaks to him. But the Holy Spirit knocks him down because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Like, we make up so much stuff to make people feel good about what God might not do, you know, like, it's amazing, right? We, we, we tell people, like, now at the Western Church, like, come to church, you'll be comfortable, you know, like, Jesus cast out demons, and now we want people to be comfortable in their demons inside of church, you know, like, we'll soothe your demons for an hour and a half, you know? <laughs> and Jesus came to set people free. So, anyway, that's a that's different leadership talk, but... Um, he he knocks him down, and Jesus makes this very fascinating statement to him. He's like, "Paul, why or Saul, why are you persecuting me?" And I was fascinated by that because Jesus is not on the earth then, but Jesus tells him, "Why are you persecuting me?" And so it, it obviously gives us this principle that if uh, you're persecuting believers, it's like you're persecuting Jesus. But then the other side of that is our responsibility if we're in Christ. How many are in Christ? If we're in Christ, God, how many are in Christ? You Raise your hand. I like to be a little Pentecostal this morning. I got a little bit of everything inside of me. But if you're in Christ, God sees you in the earth as his representative. And what we'll see here in a minute is there's only one representative on the earth, and it's that the, pe- the people who are in Christ. And it, and it makes us responsible in this way that when we fail to understand God, we misrepresent God. And when we misrepresent God, we'll, when we misunderstand God, we will surely misrepresent Him to the world. And so I want to look at some things that I think will help us understand something about the nature of God. And we'll begin the first book, the book of Genesis, in the first verse. In the beginning, I'm reading out the New King James. If you want to follow along, hope you brought your Bibles. I hope you read your Bible. I hope you study your Bible. I hope that you meditate on your Bible. People died to get that book in your hand. It's really, really valuable. Uh, in the beginning, this is New King James, which is not the greatest translation of that verse, because how many you know you serve a God who has no beginning and a God who has no end? So a better translation of that is, when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. That's principle number one we want to touch this morning. Everything in this world begins and ends with God. That's why he tells us he's the author and finisher of your faith. It's a theme. You'll see the themes that God establishes in the book of Genesis are the themes that run through. What is God saying? Everything begins and ends with me and everything that is created in the world, I did it and anything that created beings doing, I am the one who gives them the power to do it. He re-emphasizes this even in the giving of the Ten Commandments. What's the first one he gives? Exodus 20. What does he tell him? He goes, I'm the God who delivered you out of Egypt. And he goes, he, he emphasized that, because I'm the deliverer. But then he, what does he tell him? He goes, ha, the first commandment is this, have no other gods before me. What's he telling us? He's telling us, the reason I don't want you to have any other gods before me is I want to be your source of everything. I want to be your provider, I want to be your keeper, I want to take care of you, I want to give you all the money you'll ever need, I want to give you those children you want, whatever you have need of, I can take care of, but if you put other gods before me, I can't do that for you. So God creates heaven and earth, and that's really interesting to me, the Bible is really interesting to me. If you are bored reading the Bible, please get born again today because it is better than any Netflix documentary. And, he, like, and God doesn't hide the, 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 the challenging things that we find about biblical characters. And I believe part of it, it's not so we can go, oh, let me mess up. It's so we can be encouraged that when we miss a turn, God loves identifying with weak humanity. That is a theme in scripture. No matter where you're at today, no matter what you've gone through, there's a God who's always like, I can help you. You're like, I've been married 8 times, I can help you. I keep messing up with the same thing. I can help you with that. I've been depressed my whole I can help you with that. My whole family hates me. I can help you with that. No, no, you don't know what I've done. I can help you with that. He never throws people away. So he creates heaven and earth, and how many know that God doesn't need a place to live? But he's establishing a principle because What you'll see, he develops this pattern in the book of Genesis that he chooses to set up the foundation of his kingdom in heaven. According to Psalm 11, the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. So God chooses to live in heaven, heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, you'll notice there that the Spirit of God is there, but on, on, uh, the Holy Spirit is there and he's moving. And notice that the earth is without form and void. And the way that God puts order together is by speaking his word, and there's not anything that happens unless that is spoken. The Holy Spirit can be in a room, but unless certain things are spoken and declared, it's not moving anything. In fact... Angels are waiting for you to capture what God is saying. A lot of people, angels, unfortunately, don't have a lot of work to do. Because when we say things outside the bonds of what God intends us to say, then they're, they're standing there and they're going, I'm losing my mind. And they're going, I don't know what to do. And they're going, it's always bad. And they're... They can't work with that. They can only work with words from heaven. And be careful of allowing culture to define your words. When you get older, you get these bumps and stuff. Really? Where does it say that in the Bible? So then he establishes this other principle where he doesn't just tell us once. He tells us over and over again. I, I always say, he could have just said, I spoke the universe into existence and let's move on. But he emphasized I always say often God will illustrate things in the stories of creation to illustrate uh, a sermon. He says over and over and over again, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. There's not anything created on earth that didn't happen first without it being spoken from the mouth of God. And then the crown jewel of his creation, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Why are people valuable? Because everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone has the image of God on the inside of them. That's why we honor people. That's why we respect people everywhere we go. Not because of necessarily if they treat you right, but because they're made in the image of God. According to our likeness, notice that man is given an aspect of the personality of God. And let them, now that's a really big deal in verse 26. Notice he doesn't say, let us. So he says, let them. Let them, let them, let them, let them, let them, let them. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle. Then he reemphasizes that point, over all the earth. What's he doing? He's giving them stewardship of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, you'll also see in the book of Genesis, you will see what, is, what, what you can look to if you want to build a, a healthy society. Why do you see all these attacks on gender roles? Because once you destroy the gender roles that God assigns, you would destroy a healthy society. In the next 15 and 20 years, we're about to see, this is not evil prophecy, this is just the fruit of our choices. If you keep going down this whole transgender thing, you will see brokenness in our society at a level we've never seen because we are, we are breaking the foundation of society, which is a man, a woman, and children, and a family. In the image of God, he created male and female, he created them. Verse 28, then God blessed them, and God said to them, big verse right there. Notice he establishes man as his representative, and then the, first, the same voice that is speaking the universe into existence is the, same, is the first voice that Adam and Eve ever heard. So how do they know what to do? The voice of God. What qualifies them to do a stewardship of the earth, the voice of God. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said to him, see, I have given you every herb which yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to it, to it shall be for food. So, several principles here. Principle number one here is that you'll see nowhere in these verses does God want to start a religion called Christianity. He's not interested in that. A lot of Americans are interested in religion. God is not interested in a religion. What he is is establishing a kingdom right here. He's establishing a kingdom where his headquarters are in heaven. And where he has this ambassador called men and women who represent him on the earth. And even though he's given them full responsibility of the earth. Here's another really important part about this relationship between God and man. They were not created to take care of themselves. They were ambassadors. What are they ambassadors? They're ambassadors of, ki- uh, of the kingdom of heaven. They are ambassadors of heaven and their, their responsibility. Now, here's, here's really, this is beautiful thing about God. It's perfect in that garden. It can't get any more perfect than it is there. But that was just the beginning. Here's God's idea. Hey, Adam and Eve, I'm giving you responsibility for the earth. Also, here's the really good news. Back to Genesis 1. Everything you ever have need of, I've already provided for you. So now live forever and extend Heaven on earth. Have lots and lots of babies because it's not, going to be any, it's not going to be painful for you. And multiply the earth. So when I come down to earth, it will look exactly like my home in heaven. Enjoy life. That's God's plan. Got a little quiet in here. And Adam and Eve were supposed to be governed by the knowledge of God. If you look at a natural ambassador, when they are sent to, ambassadors are sent to other nations, correct? And they go to other nations to represent the interest of the sending nation. I live outside of uh, Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, the church, my home church, there's a lot of people in the army and the military, and a lot of these guys, obviously, they get deployed different places. And sometimes I'll say, hey, where are you you going? Oh, to Korea for five months or whatever it is. And none of them have ever told me, hey, I'm getting deployed to Korea. Will you please pray for me that I will have the resources to get to Korea? In fact, some of these guys move so much that... They don't even have to touch some stuff in their house if they choose to. They'll come and pick up their whole house, and the next thing they know, everything's in Korea. Now, I've heard from some wives that's not such a good idea because they don't do such a good job, but it's possible. Or they've never said to me, hey, listen, I really believe in God. I need a new uniform when I go over there. Why? Because the sending government, the United States is fully invested in them on their mission and has taken care of everything they would ever need when they go over there. What did Jesus say? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. New Testament equivalent to that one. But when an ambassador is in a nation, everything's taken care of. They usually have a really nice place to live. They send their kids to certain schools. And usually those schools... Are, if they're from America, they send them to English schools. So they bring everything from their nation. They have everything, almost everything they'll need from their nation to be taken care of in a foreign nation. Now, also, the job of an ambassador is never to tell his opinion. When you talk to an ambassador, they say, what. Is your, what, what does your country believe about same-sex marriage? He never goes, well, I think this. He says, the position of my nation is this. What is, your, what is your country's position on what's happening in the Middle East right now? The position of my nation is this. They never give their opinion. They are representing the interests of their government, and that's what they're there to do. And in return... The government makes sure that they are absolutely and profoundly taken care of. So let's look at another principle. Genesis. So what is Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve were God's representatives. They were made in the image of God because when you looked at Adam, you were supposed to see what God looked like. What does it say about Jesus? See, you'll see the New Testament equivalent. We probably won't have time to get it because this is like a six-hour teaching that I'm doing here. But <laughs> what does it say about Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus, as the second Adam, fulfilled everything Adam was supposed to fulfill. When you see Jesus, you see the life that Adam was supposed to lead. Look at uh, 2 verse 11. There's a reason I'm reading this. I think there's a reason to everything I do. Hopefully. (laughs) This is a really important point, you know. I always like to say that, because, but I've never. I, I was thinking one day when I was teaching. I said, "This is a really important point." And then I thought to myself, "I never give points that I think are unimportant." I said, "Hey, I'm about to give you a point that makes no sense. So just don't but tune out for the next few minutes." You know. Look at verse 11. The name of the first is Pishon. It is on which skirts the whole of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of the land is good. Bedgeum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is, is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedikol. It is one which goes towards the east of the Syria, And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The reason I read these verses is because you actually see that in the original creation, God put gold and onyx in the garden. Now, if you're around the body of Christ, especially if you're Pentecostal, you know where else is there gold? Heaven. He puts part of heaven on the earth, and he says, increase heaven on earth. And by the way, it's really nice. Some people are going to have to go to Bible college when they get to heaven. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to tell Jesus then? This ain't right. (laughs) You only got two choices then. I'm convinced that when some people get to heaven, there's like a a little Bible college they go to. All right, send them a Bible college. They They didn't read the Bible. So he puts gold on the earth and gold is in heaven because he's teaching us a lesson there that he wants them to extend heaven on earth. Now, Genesis 3. Verse 3, the tail in the verse 3, just for the sake of time, let's read that. Has God indeed said you shall, obviously the snake or the devil comes in the form of snake. There's another principle that's really interesting to me. How many of you know God, devil are not opposites? God does, the devil is a created being by God. God doesn't even need to think about the devil and it's game over. If there was a pay-per-view about that one, God versus the devil, you know, 50, you know, fifty-four, ninety-five on pay-per-view, HD, 4K now. Don't buy it. <laughs> Bet on it. Bet on God. But I'm telling you, I think that God has a sense of humor. I think he's got New Jersey humor. I'm serious. Because he doesn't destroy the devil after he sins. He leaves them on the earth. I'm telling you, he's got some. Why? He goes, all right, you want worship? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make people made in my image. And I'm going to put them in charge of the earth. And they're going to have dominion over you. And everything they do is going to be a worshipful act unto me. And every time they execute dominion over you, you're going to remember that I'm all powerful over you and they don't even have time for you and then one day I'm gonna kill you <laughs> you were made to have dominion over the devil but we realize that he has power because he comes in the form of a snake some people think that before the fall animals could talk I don't know like maybe possible interesting thought. I think it's probably possible because in parentheses, God doesn't say, it's strange that, you know, Eve's talking to a snake. (laughs) (laughs) And what does the enemy do? He challenges, notice to what's operating in the earth. Man is to be completely educated by God. A, uh, A challenging voice comes, and because that challenging voice comes, it forever shifts the way the earth functions. Also, you'll notice that principle that God established in Genesis 1. He makes Adam over all the earth. So he doesn't step in, even though it's going to be really bad for Adam, he doesn't step in and go, stop it, this is going to be really bad for you. He's honoring the authority he's given Adam. And he's also telling him, you have the power to reject God what that snake is saying. The reason we read this also is because this same principle is operating in the earth. The voice that, that you give yourself over to predominantly is the life that you are producing. Has God indeed said? Notice that voice caused her to have a thought and then caused her eyes to go away from what God intended. Verse six, excuse me. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So innocence was lost humanity's soul was injured, and the voice of the snake defined the perception of the woman. But you'll even see, even in the Old Testament, God is working through the lens of his word and through the lens of his voice to give people the knowledge of God that they will need to operate in the earth. Here's some three quick verses here. Exodus 25, now therefore if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. How is he teaching man to be in covenant? Through the voice of God. Amos three, verse seven. Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. What were the prophets doing? They were speaking, they were declaring the voice of God. Chronicles 2, verse 20. So when they arose early in the morning, they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and they went out, and Jehovah stood, and he said, hear, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. What does he tell them? Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. What's he telling them? Believe my word even now, and it's your key for success in this world. Now, of course, the good news is this. The good news is all that was lost in the garden, Jesus came to redeem. You should have said amen to that. I'll say amen for myself. And God is beyond genius level because in Adam, he walked with man in Jesus, for the first time, he lives in man. By the way, it also tells us why Jesus had to come as a man. He cannot violate the principles he's established in Genesis 1. He had to come as a man. He had to live under the limits of humanity because a man had to come and redeem humanity. By the way, he's also funny too. He's like, oh, you got, you got the woman there? I'm going to put the perfect seed in a woman. i get you back, devil. So what's the first thing that Jesus comes when he says he, Jesus reintroduces this priority of the, uh, of, of reeducating humanity and also healing the injured heart of humanity. What's the first thing he says? And also, by the way, you'll find when he begins his ministry, he comes and he is baptized by John. That's really interesting. What was John's message? John's message was the kingdom. I don't fully understand all that, but I believe one thing that Jesus is saying in his baptism, he's saying, he says, I'm going to submerge myself in this moment by John because I am identifying with his kingdom message. Matthew 4, verse 17, we know. He tells us, excuse me, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your thinking because I've come to bring a kingdom. But Jesus also modeled for us as the son of man what it looked like to successfully navigate this world. What does he tell us? He says, I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. That's really interesting. Got to think about this. Jesus has a free choice like Adam. But he makes a statement, I only do what I see my Father doing in heaven. And then he also tells us in John 10, he says, my food is to do the will of my Father. So now he likens eating to doing the will of God. I don't know how long you can go without eating, maybe some of you know, you can't go real long. But he says, my life on earth is defined by doing the will of God it's really good stuff free choice just like us but he says I only do what I see my father doing then he says apart from him I can't do anything what's he doing he's modeling what Adam was supposed to model he's modeling God as his source for all things even though he's got this choice Paul gives us this insight. He is teaching us about the mind of Christ. In Jesus' mind, he would never, ever entertain doing anything beyond what the Father had put in his heart to do. Paul teaches us. That's the apostolic command, isn't it? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't ever consider doing anything outside of of what I asked you to do. Here's Jesus speaking. Then Jesus said to him, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and I do nothing of myself. I do nothing of myself. Now, this is fascinating to me. This is John eight twenty eight. if you're following along. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. Things I want to suggest to you that Jesus, as the second Adam, if he learned some things, we too have to learn some things, and that I've learned that when you come into the kingdom, all the resources of the kingdom are open to you. But one of the key things he's trying to do is he's trying to teach you how to see the world differently. He's trying to educate you through his voice and he's trying to deliver you from all stupidity. (laughs) The challenge is if you have been successful in something and you have adopted a philosophy that is void of God but you're still doing well in it is to see God in the middle of all that. So he educates us through the knowledge of God, through the voice of God, through scripture, and he's constantly trying to upgrade us. Look at, there's a principle that Jesus teaches us in Matthew. Look at Matthew 16. Everybody still with me? Yeah. Yeah. This is, of course, Jesus' interaction with Peter. We'll pick up the story, verse 14. So they said to him, some say, he's asking him, who do they say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he said to him, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, keep this, this is really, really, really important. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. So what is he teaching us? He goes, by the way, Peter, you nailed it. You have revealed knowledge. You have understanding. And then he says, on He says, on the statement you've just made, but he's also teaching us a principle. He says, on revelation knowledge is how I build my church and how I build people. Now, a lot of people know that, but I've learned with God, he brings you into the kingdom, and then he's wanting to build this house based on revelation knowledge he wants you to be completely educated according to his voice according to the word of god and he wants to completely deliver you of all world system thinking Amen. and so he what he does is he begins god reveals truth to us in degrees one example from my life is i told a story 20 years ago he told me, he said, you're, gonna, you're, gonna do the, you're, gonna, you're called, I'm going to bring you around the world, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to see the power of God displayed, what's he doing? He's revealing to me, revealed knowledge, truth and degrees, and he is looking for me to receive it by faith and then begin to make choices along those lines. Back then, I thought being another Benny Hinn would be a really good idea. Wear the white suit, knock people down. (laughs) Holy Spirit. I just just love Benny. I didn't know I had a prophetic gift 20 years ago. I didn't know how the Holy Spirit would operate through me. But you receive that truth, and what does he do? He's looking to build truth upon truth upon truth upon truth upon truth, Uh, A day later, I read John 14, 12, and it says, if you believe, you'll do the works that I'm doing in greater works. Back then, I got no words of knowledge. I just thought the scripture was sufficient, so I just began doing what he told me to do. Then I learned about words of knowledge. Then I learned about different things. But you don't learn about it unless you say yes to what he says, and then he begins to unwrap your mind to that truth. Here's another one. I was praying one day, and this is a whole long story, but I was praying one day, you know, praying, Lord, Lord, this, that, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, He says, your father, your grandfather, my grandfather was a minister of the gospel. Where'd my water go? Somewhere. Oh, there it is. Thank you very much. I'm going to land the plane here in a minute, but I want to establish a principle. My grandfather was a preacher, great, great preacher, church planner, worked with a lot of different groups. And the Lord speaks to me. He says, your grandfather was an amazing minister of the gospel. When I go to Puerto Rico, they say you preach exactly like your grandfather. He says, but he never broke the spirit of poverty off his ministry. I'm going to teach you how to break the spirit of poverty off a generation of ministers to come through radical generosity. So I was like, ooh, that's fun. Until I found out the uncomfortable things he would ask me to do. I remember the first time God asked me to give $100. I said, the devil's a liar. $100 is a lot of money. $100 is a lot of money when you got 600 in the bank. And then I'd go to churches and get more love than offering, and he goes, give it all away. I said, no, down here we got to pay bills. What's he doing? He's establishing me in something. He's giving me understanding. And then he says, I need you to walk this truth out. Now it's a beautiful thing. Now it's in, I'm not even going to say what it is in now. And part of the reason it's so important for you to personally walk out truth is because your ability to walk out truth then becomes a gatekeeper so other people can walk out truth. Because he constantly wants to trust you with more. Let's look at this principle, we'll land the plane. And it's extremely important that you let God put the foot down on the gas in every area of your life. Because if you don't keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing in truth, you will cease... To be relevant in that area of your life that you're not growing in. And a world lives in deficit when we don't grow. Look at Mark 2. We will land the plane with this. Have you got something out of this today? Look at Mark, the second chapter. Then the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting, and they said to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Let's ask this question here real quick. Is fasting a good thing? Yes, it is. He's not, this is really interesting. He is not teaching against fasting here. Because elsewhere in the Gospels, he says, when you fast. So on the outside, when we look at these people, wow, they're fasting. Praise the Lord. Do you know that you can be involved in religious activity and God has nothing to do with it? Who's asking the question? Disciples. John's disciples. Now, this is really interesting. Because John's disciples are not people who could not discern the voice of God or what God was doing. Most people rejected John's ministry. These guys were forerunners. They're going, yeah, he's a little different, but that's God. But what's really interesting is they had an understanding of what God was doing in one season, but they completely missed what God is doing in another season. This is why it's important to stay humble, to stay teachable, and and don't, don't define the boundaries by which you're going to operate in. There's a reason that 20 years after Toronto, we're not singing the same songs that they sang in the early outpouring. Same outpouring, but seasons have shifted. Pharisees; these are people. Obviously, they're the most influential. They're known for their accurate and therefore, uh, therefore, authoritative interpretations of the law. Essential to the training of the Pharisees was the belief that if they could follow the interpretation of the law, they could hasten the coming of the promised Messiah. Here's what's also interesting. Their motive is not so bad. But when you have right motives, wrong thinking, you produce perverse behavior. A lot of people are like, well, they're they're, they're nice people. No, I'm not saying they're not nice people. They have perverse thinking. There's a lot of nice Muslims I meet when I go to London. They want Sharia law. Anyway. Here's the thing. What What did the law teach? Here's the thing. The law actually only required... One day of fasting on the day of atonement, but many other fasts had been added, and because Jesus is a teacher, most teachers back then instituted among their disciples fasting. So these guys are fasting, they're engaged in this, this is who's asking Jesus this. Then Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom was with them? As long as they had the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. So what is Jesus telling them? In a really nice way, Jesus is telling them, <laughs> in The nicest way possible. Jesus is a lot more plainer than we make him out to be. He's not a Bernie supporter drinking a latte at Starbucks. (laughs) Gets quiet. It's just not. He's telling him, he goes, guys, it's a season of celebration. Back then they they had seven days of celebration for for a wedding. I'm gonna institute that at mine. And no one would ever think of fasting during a celebration and so he's telling him he goes guys this is a season of celebration and so your actions are incongruent with the season that you're in and then he gives that analogy he says no one puts new wine into old wine skins now notice this is also really important this is why i say god gives us truth in degrees he doesn't tell them that the old wine is obsolete. He just says, the new wineskin, which is your mind, the new, the, the new wineskin is able to hold the old and the new together because truth builds upon truth upon truth. Now, here's something also interesting. Thank God we find out later that a lot of John's disciples, they, they get the Jesus thing. They're like, okay, this is God, and they join it. But we also, and some of the Pharisees do as well. But many of the Pharisees rejected, obviously, as a whole, most of the Jewish people reject Jesus as the Messiah. So here's what happens, and this is the danger of not growing. The danger of not growing is you will cease to be relevant because there is no form of Judaism that exists in the earth except Messianic Judaism that is relevant in the earth today. Nothing is even close to what's taking place in the Old Testament. Every one, every Judaism that exists, even Orthodox, even whatever you want to, you know, reform, any of it, is not even close to anything you find in the Old Testament. So the danger of not growing is you will cease to be relevant. I know there's a great amen in that place. I can hear it. And the reason... It has to be at the forefront is because when we move into the things of God, when we advance into the things of God, when we see the fruit of God, of the miraculous, and we see the fruit of God's favor and grace upon our life, there is a tendency to kind of define our current experience as the place where God wants to keep us. I like to evaluate my life at least every three months. I go, where am I at with this? Am I growing in this? Am I remaining stationary in this? Am I choosing to grow? Has God asked me to stretch again, and I, and I haven't stretched? Because I want to stay in the rhythm of a wineskin that's flexible to receive the new wine and the old. And you're doing, and you're on a great path in this room. But be on guard from ever thinking that you've ever arrived in anything in God. Because he's constantly trying to grow you in things. Now, in just the area of giving for me, I always have giving goals. Every year I want to give more money, both personally and through our ministry. Why? Because it's a high value of mine. I want, to, I want to challenge myself. Even if I don't have a word from the Lord, I said, psh, this year we start off the year. I said, boom, we're going to give this offering. We're going, to, we're going to give it away because we want to keep growing and trusting God. Receive this word today. Receive this word. Why don't you just stand to your feet? Thank you, Lord. If you would just lift your hands. Thank you, Lord. I just want you to just pray this prayer today with me. Say, Father, Father, teach teach me your ways. This week, expand my understanding of you. I never want to stop growing. I never want to stop growing. Hmm. Just let the Lord speak to you right there. Any area that you need to adjust. thank you Lord I believe this week the voice of God is going to be very very clear to some of you just adjusting divine adjustment next two weeks for many of you will be weeks of divine adjustment and it's good adjustment. Thank you, Lord. Thank, you, Lord. Thank, you, Lord. Thank 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 you, Lord. For just a few more moments, just lean into the lo- the Lord. Believe there's someone here. You have a, a pain in your neck. The Lord just heals your neck. Right knee, be healed in Jesus' name. Arthritis, be healed. Arthritis, be healed. Whoever that is with arthritis, the Lord is healing arthritis. Just be healed in your body. Sukabaya. For some of you, that two-week period, that some, it's something along the lines of reminding you of something maybe you put down in a a previous season that you were never supposed to put down and the Lord's going to cause you to pick that thing back up. Thank Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, just take a moment, just gently put your hand on the person next to you. Just, just release a blessing to that person next to you. Pray for them like you would want to be prayed for. Maso <laughs> kabah,